Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, please. Go there. That is going to be our launching point this morning as we continue our series on summer of love, learning to love like Jesus. And so turn to Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21, as today we are going to look at loving others with our words. Look at your neighbor and say, oh my. We are going to look at loving others with our words. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to take a special moment just to welcome a good friend of mine, Brian Parker. Brian and his wife, uh, Christy, and sons, Timothy and Micah, are here. Brian is the senior pastor at First Baptist Church at Kingsland. And can we give them a round of applause? Thanks, Brian, Christy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, He's a good friend of mine, and um, he's on sabbatical, and he wanted to hear some preaching that was worse than his, and so he came here. And so that's really, really good, so that I'm glad he's here. But uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21, and what I want to do this morning as we we kick off uh, this time in God's Word, I want us to read verses 20 through 21, but I want us to read it as a responsive reading. Meaning, I want to read verse 20 to you, and then I want you to read verse 21 back. And um, so, um, we're reading from the New American Standard Version, and you can follow along on on the screen behind me. But let me read verse 20 to you, and then you respond back by reading verse 21. Everybody got it? Everybody good? Good words. Fantastic. Here we go. Verse 20 says this, With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied, He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. Father, I pray today that in all humility, a lack of pride, a lack of arrogance, but in all humility, Father, Father, we humble ourselves before your word. We bow on our knees, faces to the ground, and we ask you to speak. Father, this topic is difficult because so many times our words have caused so much harm. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would inhabit this place. Father, I trust your word, what says where two or three or more are gathered in your name, that's where you are. Father, I trust you are here. I trust you are in our midst. And Father, we now say to you, speak a word of God, speak to us. Examine us. And then Father, may we align our lives with your word so that we can show love to a lost and dying world who so desperately needs Jesus. Speak, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... And we know that's 100% true, amen? Oh, the furthest thing from it. I mean, that is not true at all because we do know by experience on both ends of the spectrum 
words can hurt. Amen? Words can hurt. But not only can words hurt, but words can also heal. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24 says this, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. In 1866, um, a man by the name of Alfred Nobel, does that name ring a bell? Alfred Nobel, who um, of Stockholm, Sweden, he is uh, the Nobel Peace Prize is named after him. But in 1866, he invented dynamite. He invented dynamite to improve the effectiveness of, of a demolition crew because his, his brother had died in a factory explosion. And, and so companies soon discovered that dynamite was a huge success in, in building roads and, and, and building buildings and, and making construction much easier. You see, when dynamite was used correctly, it was a great thing, but, but others began to use dynamite in an evil way, like war. You see, when dynamite is correctly used, it is powerful and it is good. But when dynamite is incorrectly used, it's dangerous. And I would say to you that every person in this room has dynamite. And it's in your dentures. For some of you who don't know what dentures are, it's your teeth. All of us have, all of us have dynamite, and it's in this little four-inch muscle that you and I call the tongue. This past week, I learned something that I, I did not know. I learned that the only muscle in your body that does not get tired is your tongue. <laughs> You know anybody like that? Yeah, we all do. Well, I didn't know that, but your, but your tongue never gets tired. And, and you think about it, we're a people who like to talk. I mean, there's talk shows everywhere. Uh, it, it doesn't matter your opinion, your thought process. Let's, let's have a talk show. And everybody has something to say. Um, on, on average, the American has 30 conversations a day. You'll spend one-fifth of your life talking. In one year, your conversations will fill 66 books of 800 pages a book. On average, a man speaks 20,000 words a day. On average, a woman speaks 20,001 words a day. <laughs> I'm reminded of the husband who was asked, do you resent the fact that your wife has the last word? He said, no, I'm just glad when she gets to it. <laughs> some of us love to talk, don't we? Some of us love to talk and that some of us have the unique ability to put our foot in our mouths, amen? It's like the stock boy who was uh, working at a grocery store. He had a lady come up to him and said, excuse me, can, could I buy a half a head of lettuce? The young boy thought for a minute. He said, let me go to my manager and ask. He walked to the manager, not realizing that the lady was following him all the way to the manager. And the young stock boy looked at the manager and said, he said, sir, you won't believe, but there's this crazy lady out there who's asking for half a head of lettuce. Can we do that? And the stock boy turned around and saw the same woman. And then immediately he turned around to the manager and said, and this fine lady wants to buy the other half. That's quick thinking. But our words, 
our words. We've all been there. We've been on the receiving end of words, and we've been on the other end where we give words. The book of Proverbs, which we read from this morning. The book of Proverbs devotes 12% of its verses, 112 out of 915, to the subject of words, your tongue, your mouth. David, Solomon, Job, Paul, Jesus, all mention the tongue. The book of James, which we're going to go to in just a second, James chapter 3, you can already make your way to that, but in James chapter 3, or or the book of James, James talks about the tongue, the words, and every single chapter. So apparently, the Bible wants us to understand that the tongue is, is a powerful thing. And I believe it's so important that we talk about loving others with our words. You know, I planned this series out several months ago, this series, this sermon today, planned it out several, several weeks ago, but I think it's extremely important that we talk about words. Let me give you a couple reasons why. Number one, we live in an an, an ever-increasing vulgar society. Would you agree with that? We are living in an ever-increasing vulgar society. We have lost the dignity in speech. Slang is in, and we've just become vulgar, and we're getting used to it. Social media, another reason why we need to talk about words, because social media has literally changed the way we communicate. Social media has changed the way we do everything. And so today, today's tweet is our tongue. It's important we talk about how we use our words. Because words are how we communicate as humans. Cats meow, except my cat, whom I do not like. He cries. Dogs bark, but humans, what? We talk. We talk with one another. That's how we communicate with one another. So we need to, we need to know how, how we communicate. And the last reason why I think it's important we talk about loving others with the words, and why I'm going to talk about words, is because of this. More harm has been shown to those that we love with our words more than anything else. Anybody with me? I'll be honest with you. I did it this week to my family. And I'm like, I'm such an idiot. I'm preaching on this. And here you go. But there's times in all of our lives when we've caused more harm to the people we love by the very things that come out of our mouths. And in the book of James, which I want you to go there, in the book of James, James talks to us about controlling the tongue. James chapter 3 is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together, but the book of James is, is a book that James, who is the brother of Jesus, James didn't want to be a follower of his brother who claimed to be the Messiah. Would you want to follow your brother who claimed to be the Messiah? No, that would be a very difficult thing. But James comes under the conviction that, yes, his brother Jesus is truly the Messiah, the Son of the God, Son of God, and and he becomes an early follower and an early leader of Christianity. As a matter of fact, James is the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. He's the guy. He's the leader. And James now writes to believers in this book after his name, and he tells the believers, the followers of Jesus, saying, hey, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, this is what a mature believer looks like. 
And the entire book of James is tough. It's hard because he tells believers there needs to be some maturity. And in chapter 1, James says a mature believer is one who's patient in times of trouble. So what he says in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you will lack nothing. So one of the things James says to the believers is, listen, troubles are going to come your way. Difficulties are going to come your way. That's part of life. But then he says, as a mature believer, be cool. He says, be patient. It's going to be okay. In chapter 2, he continues this theme of what a mature believer looks like. And in chapter 2, he tells us that, this is crazy, in chapter 2, he tells believers that we should not be snobs. He says, don't play favorites. That's what he says. He says, do not show favoritism. Don't show favoritism to to one person over another or to one thing over another. He says, don't show favoritism. Instead, what you should do is you should love others as yourself. And in chapter 3, he picks up, continues this theme of what a mature believer looks like. And he says, a mature believer controls his tongue well. Verse 1. Let's read it. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such will incur a stricter judgment. Benjamin Franklin, the early founder of our country, said this, a small slip of the tongue can launch a great avalanche of destruction. Isn't that true? Just a small slip of the tongue can cause an avalanche. This is what James is talking about. As a matter of fact, James says he's not dissuading anybody from becoming a teacher. He's just saying if you are a teacher, be careful what you say. Because you know this congregation, you know this church, that if I were up here and I had a slip and I said something that was terribly wrong, it would have an avalanche effect upon you as an individual, you as a family, and you as a church, right? And so James says, if you're going to be a teacher, you be careful what you say. Verse number two, he then goes on to say, but we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. And what James says is, it says, listen, I know the tongue is hard to control. He just says, know this, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. If you never mess up in your words, if you never mess up with your tongue, then you are a perfect man. But we know this, if you claim to call yourself, if you say that you have no sin, you call yourself a liar. That's what the Bible says. Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse number three. Now, if we put the bit into the horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Verse 5, so also is the tongue a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. I want you to write this down about our words. And how we can love others with our words. Number one, our words determine direction. Our words determine direction. Your words, when you speak it to others, when you speak it to yourself. And by the way, do you know who talks to you more than anybody else? You do. So that means you're all crazy. Amen? Are you talking to yourself? Well, actually I am. Yes, you are. 
You talk to yourself, but your words determine direction in your life and it determines directions in other lives as well. One commentator said this, and I love this, I think this is great, said this, we shape our words and then our words shape us. Isn't that good? Words shape, we shape our words and then our words shape us. But James says, but the tongue is small and it's tiny, but it has tremendous power. And in verses three, uh, verses four and five, he gives us some illustrations. You're familiar with this. He gives us illustrations on how powerful the tongue can be. And the first one is the illustration of a horse. Look at verse number three. He talks about a horse or a bit in a horse's mouth. And so it's, it's a word picture. He wants you to picture a huge horse, 2,000, 3,000 pounds, and then picture an 85-pound jockey on its back. Amen? That's what he's talking about. Look at this big horse, a little bitty jockey on top of it, and then a little bit of metal that goes in his mouth. Um, if you were ever to come into my office, you would see one of my pictures it's one of my favorite pictures of all time. It is, it is a picture of uh, my oldest daughter, Abigail, when she was probably, I don't know, six Five, six, five, five, six years old. And she's riding on this huge horse. And I'm off to the side holding her. I've got Avery's hand down here. But then there's a cowboy out in front leading the horse. And there's a bit in the horse's mouth. And that cowboy could take that horse wherever he wanted it to go. And there's just my daughter riding that horse. It's a great and beautiful picture, and it's a great reminder of the tongue, that our tongue is like the bit in the horse's mouth, that you can lead things, you can direct things wherever you want them to go. I love that, and this is what James says. Your tongue controls the direction of your life. It controls the direction of where other people's lives, or, and other people's lives as well. Parents, your tongue can direct the direction of your children, Amen. It can be positive or it can be negative. Then look at verse number four. He gives us another illustration and he says, look at the ships also. He says, look at the ships also. Now I want you to look at that word look. Now let's Greek out for just a moment. Can we do that? Okay, good, good. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Chris can do whatever he wants. I want you to say that real quick. Good. Thank you for that permission. We're going we're gonna to Greek out for just a second. I want you to look at that word, look, in that phrase, look at the ships. That word, look, it's the Greek word, uh, I do, I-D-O-U. Um, and it's in the aorist imperative. Now, what, what does that mean? How, what does that mean to you? Imperative means it is a command. So step back. James says, okay, the tongue it's like the bit in a horse's mouth. Okay, we got that picture. And then he says, look. It's a command. He says, look, I command you, look. Now, what's he gonna tell us to look? Look at the ships. And so whenever in scripture, anytime you see the word look, or in the King James Version, it's the word behold. Anytime you see that word, it is, um, I mean, it's like flashing lights. You need to stop because the writer of the text, inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants you to see this. And so James is writing to the church. He says, Listen, you got to see this. He says, look, look, I want you to see this. And whenever he uses that word look, he is saying, you need to put all of your attention right here. 
Charles Spurgeon, writing about this Greek word, says this, Behold, or look, is a word of wonder. It is intended to excite admiration. Whenever you see it hung out in Scripture, it is like an ancient signboard that says, Look at me. And so James, in verse 4, he says, Look at these ships. He says, Look. And what he wants you to do is to stop and look at the illustration. And he says, look at the ships. I remember on, our, on Angela, our honeymoon, we went, on, we went on a cruise. And if you've been on a cruise, those cruise liners are, are huge, aren't they? Those are some big ships. I remember we, we went to port. I don't, I don't, I don't remember where, where, what port it was. But the captain of our ship said... We're going to port, and the world's largest cruise ship is going to port next to us. I'm thinking, well, man, my ship's pretty big. No way it can be that much bigger than what we're on right now. So we get into port, and here comes the ship, and you just see it. So I get on the top of our ship, and the, the largest one pulls up next to us, and the next thing you know, I just start doing this. Huge. It's, it's gigantic. It's this huge ship. But what do we know about ships? And this is what James says to us. Even though these ships, says, look at these ships, these are huge. But they are controlled by a very small rudder. It only takes a little piece to direct this huge Ship. And what James is saying to us is this, your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. One commentator said this, if you don't like the way you're headed right now, change the way you talk. That's good. If you don't like where you are or the direction you're headed, then change the way you talk. Look at verse number five. So also the tongue is a small part of the body. He's comparing that to the rudder of the ship. He's comparing that to the bit of, of the horse. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, but yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest. Now he gives us another example. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a fire. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire. I want you to write this down. Not only do our words determine direction, number two, our words can tear down or they can build up. And James here says our words are powerful. Our words can tear down. And he gives us the illustration of a forest. And again, it's a word picture. He wants you, he wants you to see a forest. He wants you to see the beautiful tall trees and just imagine it all going up in smoke just like that because somebody dropped a match upon them. You know, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. That might be a great song, <laughs> right? It only takes a little spark. You know, I will say this, that as a young boy, I may or may not have had an issue playing with matches. I may or may not have had, I may, not, may or may not have started two or three fires myself. And I may or may not have had a fire truck come out and put one of the fires that I started. But point being is, when you start a fire, it doesn't take much to start it. Everybody with me? It doesn't take much. And James says, your tongue can destroy. I want you to listen closely. A careless word can destroy a life overnight. 
The words you say can destroy. I wonder in this congregation this morning, maybe you're watching live right now as well, I wonder how many people, because of a careless word, have destroyed a marriage. I wonder how many have destroyed a career. I wonder how many have destroyed your own reputation. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that you've destroyed the reputation of another by the words that you have said. The tongue is a fire. There's a question for you. Have you ever had anybody say something about you that isn't true and they keep spreading it? We call that news today, but uh, have you ever had that happen to you? Where somebody says something and it's not true and they keep spreading, James says, it's because your tongue is a fire. Lies, gossip, talking about people behind their back. Those things are not the characteristic traits of a mature believer in Jesus Christ. And James says in this letter, if those things are happening, then then you need to stop. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire. What's that last word? You're, you're scared to say that word, aren't you? <laughs> Pastor, we're talking about words. I can't say that word. Yes, you can. It says your tongue is a fire and it sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Does anybody feel the conviction? See, James says that that there is a course of life that can be set by your tongue, but that your tongue can cause a chain reaction. By the words you say, you create this chain reaction, and sometimes these things are beyond your control. And James says, you've got to be careful at what you say. It's dangerous. Look at verse 7 and 8. He uses another illustration. He talks about a zoo. (laughs) Verse 7, for every species of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. That word for poison in Greek, it literally means snake venom. Meaning just a few drops can kill. Meaning you and I, if we are not careful, we can assassinate people with our words. We can assassinate character because the tongue is a deadly weapon. I remember the story of a pastor who was in a a hospital, making a hospital visit. He was visiting a wife whose husband was in, uh, in a coma and the doctor was in the room. The doctor speaks to the wife and says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your husband's never going to make it. He is hopeless. He walked out of the room. The pastor got up and walked over to the man who's in a coma. The wife is obviously crying at this news. But the pastor walked over to the man in the coma, leaned over into his ear and said this, I know that you heard what the doctor said, but he's wrong. You can make it. And you are going to make it out of this coma. I don't care what the doctor said, you are going to make it. The story goes that tears began to well up in this 
man's eyes who was in the coma and tears began to run down his cheek and he recovered. The man then gave this testimony, he said this, that his turning point, the turning point in his recovery was when the pastor leaned into his ear and said this, you're going to make it. Words. Words. Proverbs says this, gentle words cause life and health. Proverbs 12 says this, a word of encouragement does wonders. Would you agree with that? I don't, I don't know about you, but I can only speak on, on, in my life. You may be different, but you may be the same. I, I don't know, but I know this. I can go two weeks on a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. That one's a four-weeker right there. That's a four-weeker. Um, but I can go two years on a harsh critique. Anybody with me? I can go years. One of my favorite heroes in the Bible is Barnabas. You remember his name? Son of encouragement. Barnabas, the encourager, the son of encouragement. I can't think of a better epitaph on your tombstone that says, that he was an encourager. He lifted people up. Listen, everybody discourages others. The world discourages people. As believers in Christ, we're called to be different. We're called to be different. Parents, we're called to be different. Students, we're called to be different in how we talk to people. Church members, we're called to be different in how we talk to people. We are called to be lights of the world, salt of the earth. The world discourages, the world tears down, the world puts down, the world wants to put labels on people, the world wants to do this, but we as a church got to be different, different. We're called to be encouragers, we're called to, we're called to speak life into other people. And James says, our words direct our words can tear down or build up. And here's number three. Our words actually reveal who we are. Our words reveal who we are. Look at verse number nine. As James is going to say that our tongue reveals who we really are inside. It really tells us what's going on inside. Look at verse number nine, and it reads this. With our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, and we have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, and my brothers, this thing ought not to be this way. James says so many times we see, uh, we see that believers, followers of Christ, will show up on Sunday morning and we'll sing praises to God, but then as soon as we get into our cars, we tell our children, Ugh. true story, true story. I was a when I was on staff at First Baptist Church Atlanta under Charles Stanley, um, one Sunday, we did not have enough volunteers in the parking lot. So big church, right? We had to have church members direct traffic, helping cars get out of the parking lot onto um, 285. So I get this call, hey Chris, we don't have enough um, uh, traffic directors out there. Can you go help? 
oh, oh, okay, okay. I go out there, great day of worship, great day of worship, praising the Lord, celebrating the Lord. It was great. And I'm out there directing traffic, you know, in my suit, mid-August in Atlanta, blacktop. I'm directing traffic. It's been a great day of worship. And then I had a church member drive by and tell me what they thought of my traffic directing job. It was not pleasant. So I told them, Merry Christmas. That's the only thing I could think of. (laughs) Merry Christmas. It's mid-August. But when James says, with our tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. He's... The Greek, it's not referencing profanity per se. Profanity is always wrong. But it's not referencing cuss words, curse words. It's referencing any type of word that puts somebody down. It's it's, it's referencing putting people, it's referencing a a label. You, you, You know, you've heard these phrases, you good for nothing. You don't amount to anything, any put down. James says, with our mouths, we praise the Lord. Oh, we celebrate God is good. And the next minute we turn to somebody who's created in the image of God and we put them down. And James says, this should not be. Verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. And what James says is this, whatever is in the well is going to come out in the water. You know, as a pastor, a lot of times I can tell what's in your heart by the words you speak. Students, parents can tell what's in your heart by the words you speak. Parents. Our children can tell what's in our heart by the words that we speak. Because Jesus said these words, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, if you or I, if we have a tongue problem, what's the real issue? It's the heart. the heart. So if we want to change our words, then our hearts need to be changed. The prophet Ezekiel said this, rid yourself of all offenses. Get rid of all sin that you have committed. And he says this, get a new heart. Folks, you and I, we can change everything on the outside that we possibly can. We can turn over a new leaf. But until we get a new heart, it's never going to change. And so as we close and we think about loving others with our words we must first take a close examination of our own heart. 
out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right now, would you just close your eyes all across this room? Would you allow the words of Jesus just roll over in your mind? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Would you ask the Holy Father right now to examine your heart? If the Spirit brings up anything within you where you have hurt people with your words, would you confess that to the Father? Hurt your children, hurt your spouse, hurt your parents. Because students, your words can hurt your parents more than you'll ever know. Would you pray these words of David? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Father, I stand before you today. Actually, I, I bow before you today and I want to say, God, give me a clean heart. May I love others with my words. Please come cleanse me of my unrighteousness, of my sin, and fill me with the spirit of the living God. Father, may we as a people, may we as a church speak life to our spouses, to our children, to our parents, our grandparents, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. May we speak life of encouragement. And Father, if there's anybody in this room this morning who has not come to know you as Lord and Savior and they realize that they need a new heart, Father, I pray that they would cry out to you say, oh God, give me a new heart. I need you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the penalty of our sins so that we would not have to face that. Oh God, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.